Welcome to the show. On today's episode, we have Amy Chinitz. She is a certified KonMari consultant. In today's podcast, we learn how to clear the clutter once and for all using the KonMari method by Marie Kondo. You'll learn the six key principles and five categories to follow. We will go over how to decide if something sparks enough joy to keep and how decluttering leads to more calmness and joy at home. This is a great episode. Please enjoy. Welcome to the Cat Katibi Podcast, your source for all things health, happiness, and beauty. Hi, Amy. Thank you so much for being with us today. Hi, Kat. I'm so happy to be on your podcast. Thank you. Today, we're going to be talking about decluttering, organizing, and all that fun stuff. But before we begin, could you tell us a little bit about your journey and how you became a certified KonMari Method consultant? Yeah, my journey starts from grappling with this issue in my own life. I feel that I'm a naturally messy person. I do have ADD and I seem to create a tornado of stuff around me as I move through my day. And I have always been searching for a way to get that under control. And the first time I really felt connected to a method was when I read Marie Kondo's first best-selling book, The Life-Changing Magic of Tidying Up. And I became a certified consultant because I was just so excited about it. And it was actually through the marriage of my previous career in social work and the KonMari method that I found my true calling, which is to help people to declutter so that they can really move forward past the stuff that holds us back into their ideal lifestyle and a home environment of their dreams. That's my journey. I know yeah. spring cleaning is like a huge deal in many cultures. I'm half Persian and our New Year's is the first day of spring. And we have a very intensive spring cleaning every year. You have to remove everything out of your home and they'll put it on bed sheets in the lawn or if you live in an apartment, bed sheets like in the parking lot. They're really intense. And then you have to clean each item individually before you bring it back into the home. It is intensive. Now you can't yeah. do that here because your stuff will be stolen. <laughs> but, but something like that would be amazing if we could do it once a year. But I know that there's many different methods to organize. So could you tell us how the Kanmari method is different from other organizing methods? Yes, I love that spring cleaning tradition. And it is present in a lot of cultures because of this natural spring renewal energy in the air that we can harness to really move into the next season. And I do think that you can do a seasonal tidying festival anytime. But what's different about the KonMari method is that it really is a more holistic approach because it gets down to how you feel when you're home, how you want to feel when you're home. And the things that we own and 
checking them to make sure that they are the things that spark the most joy for us and the things that support our ideal lifestyle. So what does clutter do to us if we just try to ignore it and live with it? I love that question because this is what most people do. They just ignore it and then we just keep accumulating stuff. That's what we're really good at in our in American culture at least. It's we're constantly bombarded with marketing messages that try to convince us that we're one purchase away from happiness. So we buy, 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 and then we just keep it. No one ever teaches us what to do about it. So we accumulate stuff and then we try really hard to store it. So we, what do we do? We buy more stuff to contain the other stuff. And then we, so we hide it and then we ignore it and then we just keep getting more stuff. And it weighs on people in so many areas. It is a really a reflection of our mental health when our homes are messy. And it goes the other way too, that when we have all of this extra clutter, it really clouds our focus and our realization of the vision of the lifestyle that we really want to lead. And I think that most people either secretly or or clearly can admit that we want less. All we need is to have the stuff that we're most grateful for and the things that support our future. I think that it, it can hurt us because it can hold us back from moving into the future life that we want to lead. I know that for me personally, if I have clutter on my desk, I'm less productive. If I have clutter in a room, I'm more stressed. I feel a chaotic energy when things are really out of place. I know. I think it's something that almost everyone can relate to. And for some people, it's it's really more visible than others because of the way that our brains work or because of the way that our space is different. Some people live in really huge homes with tons of storage space and they fill it to the brim with stuff. And then some people who I work with are in tiny spaces and they have different challenges with where to hide everything. So we all do have that anxiety in common when you have stuff that's not the right stuff and when it's not in its home, in its right place. Yeah, I remember when I was younger, I lived with my husband. Our first apartment was maybe 700 square feet, Uh super tiny, no room for clutter. So we just had everything pared down super nice. And it was so relaxing, like a hotel room in there. And then we got a bigger house. And now it's like an overwhelming amount of clutter because there's so many spaces that you can shove things. Something's going to get shoved. And that's why I don't even want a bigger house. I don't care. (laughs) Maybe smaller house. Yeah. No, I actually was just telling someone the other day that my grandmother, who lives in an assisted living facility, is actually in... I think the best kind of living situation because she lives in one room surrounded only by the things that spark joy for her. And it was a process to get her to that point because she has been accumulating stuff for decades 
and she's turning 95 this summer and she had bags and boxes and closets and bureaus and cabinets all full of stuff that she said sparked joy for her. But when we had to move her into this smaller space, she had to really hone in on what sparked the most joy. And now she's the most content person you'll ever meet. So when you say sparks joy, I look around even the clutter and I'm like, this this is like a dress that used to look really good on me and it makes me feel good when I look at it. Does it still spark joy in that case? Maybe I can never fit into it again, but I just want to look at it. Is that sparking joy or what does it really mean? Like, how do you say this isn't enough joy to keep? Right. Yeah. Everybody's spark joy meter is different. So it is important to find out what that means for you. And sometimes we also ask that question differently. Do I want to see this item again in my future? So for clothes, for the example that you brought up, which is a very common question, if you have something hanging in your closet that reminds you of good memories and it makes you feel excited to possibly fit into it again in the future and you're inspired by the sight of that garment, then that does spark joy. But if it's something that is the wrong size and it makes you feel sad because you're not that size any longer and you regret that you're not in that season of your life anymore, then you don't keep it. So what if someone is totally overwhelmed? Their house is a big disaster. There's multiple people living in it with multiple different personalities and clutter standards. (laughs) Where do you begin? Mm -hmm. Well, I do see this process as very cathartic and near a therapeutic process. So like that, you can only deal with your own stuff. And I think everyone in the household really is capable of doing that, even kids. But so what you do is you start with your own stuff. And that feels good too, to pay that much attention to yourself and to approach the process as self-care, really. We actually have six key principles of the KonMari method, Marie Kondo's method that I follow. And the first two tenants are just getting ready for this. So number one is commit to tidying. And number two is envision your ideal home environment. So we really do start with the mindset work about setting goals for delving into this work. I actually talk about this as a one-time event, a once in a lifetime thing that you go through everything in your home once and you'll be so changed by it that you will never revert to clutter again. So yeah, once you've committed to tidying You envision that dream home environment so that in the future steps, when we're in it doing the work, you have a vision to check all your decisions against. Does this item fit into my vision for my dream home environment? Mm, Okay. So what do you do if, let's say, nothing sparks joy and you're like, I hate everything. It's just a mess. Wow. Yeah. I think that in that case, I would help you to really 
tried to hone in more closely to what you're feeling in that scenario. So we this is a very gentle process and we hold each item in our hands as we make a decision about it. And so it's really one thing at a time. It sounds like you may be starting from a place of just overwhelm, but this is a method that helps you to break it down into pieces that are much more manageable. So we take a close look at what you're making the decision about and then observe how your body responds to it and how you really feel about that item. And if it does not spark joy, then we thank it and we let it go with gratitude because everything, even if it no longer sparks joy, served a purpose in our life. So even if that purpose was to teach us what doesn't suit us, we can be grateful for that and then let it go. So let's say something sparks joy. You're sure of that but you don't have the room or the place to put it. And the best you can do is maybe store it in a box and put it away and never look at it again. Should you still keep it in that case? When something sparks joy, we keep it with confidence. When you go through the whole tidying festival, the whole KonMari method from start to finish, you will eventually get to the point where all the spark joy items are going to be displayed in ways that spark joy for you when you see them. And another one of the important tenets of the philosophy is that all storage is temporary. So it's okay if you're going to put it in a box because you will see it again in your future. Mm, Okay. Can you give me an example? Let's say it's a... a photo album, but you don't have any place to put photo albums because you have a small apartment. So you okay. just put it in a box Good in the one. top of your closet. Good one. Yes. Okay. So there are categories in the KonMari method that we follow and everything in your home will fit into one of these five categories. The first one is clothing. The second is books then paper, followed by the biggest category, which is kimono, miscellaneous. And then the fifth is sentimental objects. So photos fit into sentimental. And what you want to do is every time you find a sentimental object while you're going through the other categories is you'll decide to keep it and then put it somewhere all together so that at the end, all your sentimental objects are in one place. And if it's in a box in the top of your closet, that's okay, because they're safe, they're kept, because as long as everything in your home sparks joy, storage is temporary, it doesn't matter. It's there, it's part of the fabric of your home, that that's going to support your ideal future. It happens organically that we will find a place for everything, but we just don't know what that place is until the very end when you know what you're keeping and what you're letting go of with gratitude. I think that everybody has maybe a few items of clothing that they plan to alter at some point or shoes that need to go and get fixed. And then we just stack them up and put them in a space and don't really think about it or do anything about it. 
what's the best way to ensure that we actually follow through or we just donate them if let's say it's been a year and we haven't done anything? Like how do we set up a method for that? Great question. That is even something that I still grapple with. I have things in holding patterns like that in in my garage, but I'm okay with it because I think that it's super, super important that this is a real life method that works for us. And it starts with acceptance. And a big part of it is forgiveness and acceptance and self-love for no matter what state our home is in. And something that I'm still grappling with is, like you said, following through on those items that maybe no longer spark joy or the items that need further attention, like to be mended or something. So I'll admit I'm still working on it. But what's important is is just that one simple question. Does it spark joy? I know that other traditional or organizing methods do have rules about if you haven't dealt with it or touched it in a certain time period, then you lose it, get rid of it, you must not need it anymore. But this is not about that. This is about, does it spark joy? Do you want to see it again in your future? And things happen to derail our progress on things. And I'm okay with that. I think that if you've put an item of clothing into that needs attention subcategory, then still has earned this place of elevated treatment in your life. You are not ready to donate it or get rid of it. Instead, you're keeping it because you want to see it again in your future. So this is a good prompt for me to get back into that stuff that's in a holding pattern because I do want to see it again. Yeah, I have like my favorite pair of shoes, kitten heels. They're just the right height where you can wear them all day and they're super comfortable. And then of course the leather came off and I'm like 10 years later still waiting for that moment to take them to get them fixed. Oh my gosh, I know. But here there is a tip that I like to give for a follow-up for commitment to tidying is to set a date for the celebration of your progress. So now that you've told me that, Kat, I want you to set a date or think about an occasion that you have coming up where you'd like to wear those kitten heels and you're going to enjoy them and you're going to wear them all day in comfort and joy. And then when you do, give me a call and tell me (laughs) or send me a picture of yourself in the shoes. Okay, that's a good idea. So let's say that you have something that's in really bad shape. You haven't used it in a long time, but you think it might be useful in the future. Or let's say somebody in your Mm -hmm. household thinks it might be useful (laughs) in the future. What do you do with something like that? Yeah, I feel like I can think of some examples of things like that. Something that you really don't necessarily want to see again, but somebody else in your household would. It depends on who it belongs to, because if it's something that's like my kids' clothes that I don't want to see it again, it doesn't bring me joy to see them wearing it. I really do try hard to let them make the decision on their own, but because you have to let everybody deal with their own stuff. But if it's something that's more communal, 
like tools that are rusted or something and someone might need it again in the future and they're going to be like frazzled if they find that it was let go with gratitude. Think that you can let it go because part of what happens when we let things go, even if we think that we might need them again, if there's something about it that doesn't spark joy, like my example that it's rusted tool, I actually give myself or that person who's looking for it, an opportunity to be creative in the moment that comes up in the future where they need that tool. So we either have to go knock on a neighbor's door and ask if they have one that we can borrow, or maybe we are prompted to get a tool that will spark joy when the need arises. Yeah. So what do you do with the items that no longer spark joy? Do you recommend trying to sell them on eBay or donating them or doing a garage sale? Like what's the best method to get rid of items? I do get that question a lot. And I change my answer depending on kind of what's going on in the world. It used to be easier to donate things, at least where I live. But I actually am so excited about this community hyperlocal gifting community concept called Buy Nothing. And you can look for it in your local community to see if it exists. And if not, you can create that. It's a place where people can post things that no longer spark joy for them. And then you find that there are people who really could use that item. And it's such a pleasure to see that item utilized in its next life. And so that's been my most recent favorite thing to do with those items that have already served their purpose for you. Yeah, we have something similar, but it's just for clothing that I've gone to where it's a lot of bloggers in the community because I'm in Miami, so everybody's an influencer. They get a lot of free stuff and then they wear it once for a photo shoot and then they're like, I don't want to wear this anymore. So we all meet up once or twice a month and swap stuff for things that we would wear. I love that. That's really cool. What if I'm on board with decluttering? but not everyone in the household is. I think that the best way to handle that is to go forth with gusto and doing your own stuff. You can't change other people. So we're just going to focus on ourselves. And it is uncanny. The other household members are always like, when are we going to do my stuff? Because it's just, it's a new lifestyle. It breathes a new energy into your possessions. And it's something that's totally contagious. So don't worry, just go for it. They'll come on board. And kids are in particular are very good at this. They really relate to what sparks joy for them, what puts their stuff in order of most favorite to least favorite, and we have to just have faith in our household members that they will they will get on board. But if they don't let her bother you, just do you. Yeah. My daughter is probably expert level at throwing stuff away. <laughs> it's kind of to the point where it's a problem where, why do I buy you stuff? <laughs> she wow. doesn't get attached to anything. She's just, I'm done using this. 
And once a month, I'm like, put everything by the door that you don't want. And it's so much stuff. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, did we buy all this stuff last month? And she's already done with it. But the stuff that she does keep, I know this is stuff that's really important to her. So it is easier when they're like that, but it's still on the other side. Wow, why am I buying stuff? Yeah, I'm glad you brought up buying stuff because that is part of the issue that we're trying to address here because we have no guiding philosophy most of the time about what to buy. We just buy stuff and we're convinced that we need it or that'll make us happy or whatever. The KonMari method has really helped me and my clients to clarify our shopping habits. You will no longer just buy frivolously if you're committed to this idea that everything that comes through your door has to spark joy. So there's no more fast fashion or indie collectibles because what you purchase has to speak to you on this deeper level. And you have to know whether it's going to be something that enhances the life that you want to live from this moment on, from the second that you make this decision that you want to engage in this tidying festival. Yeah, I see that. What are some tips? Maybe you're bored, you're in the mall, you're in a store, and you see something, you're like, this is cute. What do you have to go through in your mind to decide, I need to buy this, or I probably just think it's cute and don't need it? Perfect question. So we actually follow the categories in order when we declutter in this way. And the first category is clothing. And the way that you do it is by touching each item and paying attention to how it makes you feel. So you can do this even in a purchasing decision. We start with clothing because it's the easiest and we're trying to hone this decision-making muscle about what sparks joy for us. And with clothing, you have an automatic relationship with it that's physical, how clothing makes you feel. Does it make you feel like when you put it on, Do what happens to your posture? What happens to your facial expression? And just by noticing those physical signs and signals, you will know the answer about whether it sparks joy for you. If it makes you feel confident, then you can have the best day of your life. And on the other hand, if you're wearing something that just doesn't suit you, what kind of day are you going to have? So that's the purpose behind only owning things that spark joy for you. But there are these really easy, tangible signs that help us to make the decision. So how can somebody use the Kanmari method to help with packing or unpacking for a move, making sure we don't take as much to the next space? Yeah, this is actually my favorite application of the Kanmari method because I think that people's biggest fear and pain around clutter is that it's holding us back from living our ideal lifestyle and in our ideal home setting. So when you're moving is when this really comes up for people. And it prompts you to be committed to this process because 
if you do declutter, then you can pack only your most cherished possessions and move on into that next home environment without creating further clutter. So this is your chance. This is the opportunity that people who are dissatisfied with their cluttered home really might just ignore until we have the chance to move. So packing to move, even packing for a trip, this is such a helpful method to apply because it will help you to clarify what do you want to bring with you and let go of the rest with gratitude. When it comes to, let's say you've gone through all the steps, you have what you want to keep, you've already gotten rid of what you don't want to keep, and now you're trying to put it back. What are some ways that we can put it back in a more organized or intuitive way so that we don't get the junk drawer again, or we don't get, we don't know where something goes, we just shove it somewhere? Totally. Yeah, there is like an aesthetic that Marie Kondo has and There are like a few concepts to keep in mind. One is to keep like items together. Scissors is a very funny example of this that most people can relate to. We find scissors in every piece of furniture in every room of the house. What you want to do ideally is store all the scissors together and with other like items, like all your office supplies should just be in one room. Then you'll always know where the pencils are when your kids are asking you for one to do their homework. They're always in the desk. Store like items together. And then the other thing is store items vertically when possible so that you can see everything that you've kept that you want to see in your future that spark joy for you. So for that works for everything for clothing we have this uh really sweet and simple way that we fold things that Marie Kondo has I has a demonstrated and I have a YouTube video where you can see me doing it so all of our clothes even when it's folded are stacked as if it's a filing system in your drawer so you can see everything and things aren't on top of each other weighing weighing each other down. This works for papers. I love those magazine files where you just flip through all your paper to find what you're looking for and just wherever you can apply, that's ideal so that we maximize joy sparking potential at home. Yes, I did after I watched the Kanmari, her TV series. I started doing everything like a filing cabinet style. Yeah. All my clothing looks like that now. It's so much easier. My daughter's clothing is like that. It looks so relaxing when you open the drawer and everything is lined (laughs) up like that. It's very calming. Yeah. That's the whole feeling that for me too, that I'm going for in my home. And that's what I want to set the tone for the purpose of doing this in the first place, that how do you want your home to feel? You want your home to embrace you with that sense of calm and order when you walk through the door. And when you joy check everything in every category to make sure it's aligned with that 
feeling like, does this contribute to that sense of calm that I want for me and my family? If so, keep it. So how can the Kanmari method be helpful when it comes to things outside of the home? Yeah, this really is like a micro level practice for how you want to live your life. It's not just about whether your socks spark joy. It's about making all of your decisions in line with the life that you want to lead. So I only want to have appointments like this one on my calendar that I'm so excited to show up for. And I only want to have people in my life who spark joy. And I apply this method wherever I can in every decision I make. Yes, I think I've been doing that a lot as well. And it's so much more relaxing on all levels when you only have what you truly enjoy in life. Yeah, that's awesome. In pursuit of joy. Yes. So what can you learn about yourself while you're tidying up? I do really think it's important to start from wherever you are. Whatever state your home is in right now is the very best state to start this process. It's a process that can really be self-love and self-acceptance. And they have embraced the fact that I am a messy person naturally. I love myself. I love that I have a mess to put away every single morning because I have this environment in my home that invites creativity and play and letting loose. And so first, I just want people to observe their own lifestyle through the lens of their home and the stuff that we have and the way that we function and just accept it no matter what you find. And then you'll really appreciate the work of going through things carefully in every category to find out how do you want to show up in the world in the clothes that you're going to choose. I'm excited when I go to edit my clothes with this process because I want to know, do the bathing suits that I have really make me feel like I'm going to jump into the pool and swim because that's the goal. My goal for my clothing is to be playful and participatory in life. So I have to check that every so often. Things change. So we do edit continually, but I think that you'll learn what goals that you have through the books that you choose. Are these books and titles from a course I took a million years ago or a hobby that no longer interests me? And then which books am I going to keep on my shelf that I'm looking forward to learning more about these subjects? And it's every single decision brings you closer to that ideal lifestyle. It starts immediately when you decide you want to do this. I know that you help people who are also trying to sell their homes so that their homes look more neat and tidy and inviting when people are looking at photos of it. What does it do when someone is looking to buy a home and they just see pictures with clutter everywhere? I think the problem is just that it makes it hard for people to imagine their life in that space. 
So when you clear out your clutter, it creates space for potential and it can do that for you in your own home and it definitely creates that invitation for potential home buyers to envision their ideal lifestyle in your house. Yeah, I just I remember when I was looking for a home and we would look through all the photos of other people's homes if it was cluttered I couldn't even imagine wanting to be there. It just looked too chaotic. And I thought if I move in there, it's going to be chaotic energy and I don't want that. Mm. And then I was always more inclined for the ones who were very minimal because I was like, that's relaxing. That makes me feel like a vacation. That's where I want to live. Totally. Yeah. And think that it serves you in so many ways to go through that process. Definitely if you're envisioning moving sometime soon or selling your home. So how long does the process take? Let's say you have, I guess the average single family home was like a three, two or something like that. Mm-hmm. Let's say you have something about that size and you want to do this process every single room. How long does that generally take? That's a tough question, but I know people want to hear that It can be done really quickly. But the truth is that this is the only alternative that you have to a quick fix of just storing all of your stuff or packing it all up to move somewhere or hiding it. So it's the opposite of fast in that it's gentle and really intentional and thoughtful. But that said, I have had experiences with clients who are super motivated and I've done a complete tidying festival in a home about that size where I am in New York in a matter of weeks because and we called it we call that a tidying marathon where if you're dedicated and you have that clear vision of your future in mind and you get good at making those decisions we can do it fast and it's all about how committed you are i've also taken a year and a half to work with people in their homes on a weekly basis who were in really tough situations, so much so that they had to clear a path for me to walk through the house the first time I was there. And a year and a half later, they achieved their goal, which was to have a house that could support foster children living with them. And they celebrated with a music, they're musicians, and they invited their neighbors and friends over to jam and just hang out with them and enjoy their home. And they, when we stopped working together, they were taking classes to become certified as foster parents. So they had a clear goal too. And they had a really severe issue at the start of the process, but anyone can do it. Do you find any commonalities in people who are more likely to lean towards hoarding? I, yeah, I do 
want to be careful about that term hoarding, but I know what you mean because there really are different kinds of people who call me for this support. Some of them are even minimalists and some where I'll walk in and question why I'm even there at first. But what those people have clear goals too for how they want their home to be transformed. I had a a client who lived in a one bedroom apartment in Manhattan and it looked like she needed no help from my first glance, but she had this goal of having a child. So she knew she had to change her physical environment. We went through all her stuff and asked the questions about could she see herself wearing this as a mother rather than was this stuff that she wore in a different season of her life when she was single. And by the end, she had she was going through fertility treatments and she was on a journey and has a baby now. And I really think that we both believe that this process helped her to get there because it's putting things in motion to make decisions, to make these moves that change your life immediately. You get to be the designer of your own home. So I know your question was about hoarding tendencies, but sorry for the tangent, but I think that everybody has their own unique struggles with stuff. And definitely, I think neurodivergent people like me have more hoarding tendencies, but We also learn these things from our parents, and it's important to think about how things were in the household where you were raised and so emotionally driven, actually, I think, for everybody. So it's fascinating to explore, and that's why I feel so privileged to help people with whatever their issues are. I came up with one little rule for myself, and that was if I'm not using it, it's been over a year and I haven't used something, and it costs less than 20 bucks to replace, I just get rid of it. Just little things like that that I use to lower the hold that things that the just-in-case has on. The Mm just-in-case is always like the worst Yeah, I know. And there really, there can be KonMari casualties when you let go of things like that, but it's okay. It will create your opportunity in the future moment to find something new if you need it again. Would you say that being so involved in the KonMari method yourself that you have become maybe a little bit more minimal over time? Yeah, I do think that KonMari is very different from minimalism because there's no magic number of items that you may keep. If it sparks joy, keep it with confidence. I love when I have a client who has a collection and they're so scared that I'm going to make them get rid of it. And I get to tell them that they can keep it. They can keep it with confidence. They They should and they do need to go through all of the items in that collection to make sure they all spark joy. But if they spark joy, we keep them with confidence. However, we're always going towards minimalism because it helps to have less stuff, especially when you're like me and you have a mess every day. I can now put my home back in order really easily because everything that's here 
belongs here and has a home of its own, a place where it belongs with like items. So tell us how everybody can work with you and do you work with people virtually? Tell us all the ways. I do work with people virtually and I work with people in their own homes, only local to me in New York, but I can take people on a virtual tidying festival. And I have actually this one program that I'm focused on now. It's called Tidy Home Sold, where I help homeowners to declutter so they can sell their home, only pack their most cherished possessions, and then they can move without creating further clutter into their new home. So the way that you can reach me for any of those services is by sending me a DM on Instagram or Facebook. You can look me up on SparkJoy New York. What social media platforms are you on? Just Instagram or anything else? I'm mainly on Instagram. I do give weekly free classes on Clubhouse. If you're on that platform, it's all audio. And I also have Facebook groups for people who are on your own tidying journey. Awesome. Is there anything else you'd like to share with the audience before we go? I'm just so pleased to be part of your community, Kat. I think that decluttering and living a life in pursuit of happiness fits in so well with your podcast and your community. And I'm so happy to be a part of it. And I hope that I can help any listeners who really want to make a change to achieve that home environment of their dreams. Thank you, Amy, so much for being with us here today. And I'm going to put all the information to contact you in the show notes. Thanks, Kat. I had an episode a while back with Dr. Mona Fahum of Feminescence, and we spoke about Feminescence, Maca Harmony, and their Maca products. And if you're a woman who's ever had hormonal imbalances, if you're trying to come off the birth control pill, or even if you're going through menopause, this is a natural way to help ease that transition and to help balance your hormones. There's nothing quite like it, so go to feminescence.com, enter code CAT15, K-A-T-1-5, for 15% off any of their single pack products, and definitely go check out the episode. Just search for Mona Fahum on my podcast, and listen, you won't regret it. Thank you for listening to the episode. If you made it this far, I'm sure you found some benefit to the hard work that I put into the show. Show your support by subscribing to the podcast. Leave me a voicemail question or email me at thehealthfulgypsy at gmail.com. I would love, love, love to hear from you. Be sure to join the Facebook group. You can find all that information in the show notes and my website, katkatibi.com. This podcast is for informational merrymakings and metaphysical purposes only. Statements and views are not medical advice. This podcast, including Kakatibi, disclaim any adverse effects by the use of information you may have heard.
Opinions of guests are totally their own. This podcast does not endorse statements made by guests. This podcast does not make any representations or warranties about guest qualifications, credibilities, or sanity. Individuals may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to on the podcast. If you think you have a medical problem, consult with a licensed medical physician, not just the spirit of your ancestors while on ayahuasca.